And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot for Curry! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Curry driving again. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to the latest edition of Warriors Plus Minus. We got the crew, Tim Kawakami, Anthony Slater, and we are talking about the hottest team in basketball? The Pelicans? New Orleans Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans, <laughs> baby! <laughs> hey, they're up to the 10 seed before the McCollum trade. This is a possible first-round matchup for the there Warriors. There you go. Don't want to face those Pelicans. Don't want to face those Pelicans. could be tough, Pelicans. man. Uh, you know, the Warriors have had some daunting times in New Orleans in the playoffs. What was that 24-hour restaurant we went to after one of those games? It was pretty good. It was like eating at 2 a.m. We are eating like crawfish and all that stuff. It's a little hole in the Anyway, we're, we're off on a side It's a good yeah. restaurant yeah. city. Yeah, it's a good late night restaurant city, that's for sure. The play-in bracket is interesting, though, because you do have the Pelicans with now, obviously, McCollum and Pelicans maybe Zion. Pelicans got to get through the Lakers first. So that's the play-in bracket, though, is the Lakers. A Clippers team who, I don't know if either of their stars will be back, but they made some trade deadline u- upgrades. And then the Wolves, who are, you know, kind of frisky, I guess. They're aiming for one. They think one and two is vulnerable. That's what it is, clearly. They're going after the Suns and the Warriors, trying to take the, take the boat down. But that's all right. That's fun. That's some conversation stuff. So whoever, Slater, you were at the ball. Survives. You were at the ball game last night. The whole thing was Clay Thompson. Is that the was that the mood of that? You you're getting the vibe of OKC, giving us the OKC vibe from that. Yeah, game. it actually wasn't until it was right. I think he only had four points in the first half in 12 minutes. You know, Steve Kerr had said he's playing 30, and you're looking down at half. You're like, he's only on pace for 24. Maybe they're trying to backload it. And then yes, he admitted post game. That's I mean, they almost played him 18 minutes in the second half. By the way, he was lying. Clay was lying. I black out when I'm in it. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. That's You're like lying. the third time he said that. Somebody was asking him about his celebrations. It didn't feel like the Clay game until he got hot late. And then, you know, it didn't feel like the Thunder were in it, even talking to some fans at halftime. And then suddenly, I mean, you got like that was like a mid fourth quarter, like sudden run. How many offensive rebounds did the Thunder get in the there fourth quarter? There were six on one play, right? Uh, it was crazy. And Josh Giddy just went right to the basket every single time. Like, like that's what he does. He cannot shoot, but. He can. He's six foot. What eight? Six foot nine, and just puts his head down and gets to the rim. And the on Wiggins, not stop it. yep, on yep. Wiggins, some too. Yeah, that that offensive rebounding sequence ends with Dort and one and knocking Steph down. Anyway, like the crowd actually got into it. It felt a little. I was told pregame that was the best Thunder crowd of the season. I mean, that was Warriors related seeing Steph. But you know, they're like, man, a Monday night, you know, in midseason for a lottery team, and it was almost full in there. A lot of Warrior fans, but it was it was like an energetic crowd, and the Thunder side of the crowd really picked up in that fourth, you know, because it's, it's just fun for them to see them even compete with the Warriors. So it was like hope was returned to the arena for like three <laughs> minutes, and then it was Clay Dagger, Clay Dagger. And honestly, the Warriors tried to say, oh, we didn't think about it much. Clearly, Clay did a little bit when, I mean, he referenced it, but you talk to everybody on the Thunder side postgame, they're like, that mother uh, like it had to be that it couldn't even be Andrew could Andrew Wiggins be the guy that hits the corner threes it had to be this guy and Steph hit one too like yeah I mean it's like those are what those guys do they were already like laid out on their seats by the time plays <laughs> yeah. two were done which is actually sure. how it happened in in 2016 right it's like the the, the clincher shot was Steph but they were on life support after Clay went after him. I don't know why Clay is acting like that wasn't a deal for him, though. It clearly was. He said it. Either he said, This is my house or this is my gym. He said something afterwards. And then he said, it was a de- It's a dear memory of mine, but that year didn't end well. I don't know. He, he was trying to say because 2016 didn't end in a title, it's like, 
lessen that. We're not buying this clay. This is your great moment. Your game six clay because of it. And I feel you. You got to say the team didn't win. But when you were making the case why you should be top 75, you were thinking about game six in 2016. You have a fan base on its knees every time you rise up for three. I mean, truly, they're just scared of. Was this. Joe Lake up there gonna get getting down on his he's knees? Bow again. <laughs> this time it was Kent. It wasn't that big of a. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. Not m- most of the front office and ownership group is up. Uh, I think back in the Bay Area for trade deadline week because it's it's a very light travel party on that side of the organization. Well, and also I think it's partly because it was Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook that that, that he, he did that against in Game Six. This was not. The you same don't think grade. you don't think it was as big to to take you down don't Josh Gordon is in that company, Lou man. Dort, what are you saying? Yeah, not quite the same. Not did you quite see? The same. Did you see Darius Baisley out there? Yeah, Darius Baisley was good. A little lefty smoothness, but uh, it's all right. I I think this team is now just so totally focused on winning a championship. This really is championship or bust. Obviously, it was during Durant years, but I think, you know, they'd lost that for a couple of years, and they're just championship, 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 and they want everything guided to that. They want the season focused towards that. They want the rotation set up. Like, this is the whole thing, so maybe that's what part of what, what Clay was enunciating there, and clearly, you know, game six is always going to be his immortal moment. Always, 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 beyond all other immortal moments, and he's got a bunch of them. But he didn't want to quite say it there. Changed uh, history. Changed yeah. NBA oh, history. Uh, and, it you know, got them Kevin Durant and the, all those. In, in a season when they won 73 games, that was not one of the 73. And it was the biggest one of all. It just was. So Anyway, lots of stuff in that ball game. Lots of stuff. I was reading the Slater stories. Like, there's more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. Kerr's mixing around that rotation a little bit. What did you think about small ball, uh, MT? They're going small. They don't have other options. Yeah, and I guess they can against OKC too, but I thought it was interesting. He had resisted playing Kaminga at center for a long time, and now... And now he finally leases out whatever. Now, like, he is a small ball center. He can play that. There's no question about it. What was interesting to me was the amount of point Curry, point Jordan Poole uh, in in the process of small ball like he was just saying, all right, let, let, let me let my guards run the team. <laughs> like I'm gonna let the ball handlers run the team. That's a revelatory experience for the Warriors. Yeah, you know, switching defense, you can't Looney, really do. The, you can't really do the motion. Matchup. <laughs> a bunch of young athletic dudes. You know, they play real small. I don't know if that was that was the that was the right match. That was the right way to go. Uh, I do think though, to me anyway, the Jordan Poole Clay connection is developing and I think this was one of the games where you kind of got to put them together and they've got to work this out in a sense uh I'm watching those two Jordan Poole is something has clicked to where he's like all right I'm just gonna be a passer then right like and when I'm on the floor with Clay I'm gonna look for him he seemed to be looking for him instead of uh doing his dribble 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 herky jerk crossover spin move like you know which to me I think is important even if this game wasn't that major it's important that they figure out how to make it work because you gotta imagine they won't sit steph clay draymond and wiggins all together at the same time like jordan Poole's gonna have to play with another ball ball dominant player at some point they were excited about jordan Poole's game last night i to me it wasn't like a main story but i think what it was it eight assists that like tied a career high or something like that but like they kept bringing it up post game you know, it, we're always directing questions in the way we're writing. I was like, I'm not really writing Jordan Poole off this, but they kept saying Jordan Poole. I don't thought it was interesting. It's the because you were the one writing about how you couldn't play with Clay Thompson, and Clay Thompson was hogging the ball. That's that's why they were that's why they were responding. I, mean, I never said I he couldn't. I was just we were just pointing out seeing. what was happening. <laughs> Jordan Poole is going to be that second unit whenever you know it's not for that long period anymore because Steph's rotation is different, but for three or four minutes at a time. Is Jordan Poole's offense like he's the guy who can initiate? He's the guy who can get things going. He doesn't miss free throws anymore, by the way. It's like what thirty six or thirty six or whatever. Better than right Steph, and best in the league. Like he's got to go do it. But it's also like your shots are going to be there. You, you can get the shots. I know. Don't be worried about chucking. Go get fouled or or go get a shot for somebody. And right now it's with him and Wiggins. Is like. Like, those are the guys on that second unit, and Wiggins kind of isn't as good when he's on with Steph, but can you bring it out of him when Steph's not out there and it's up to Jordan Poole to do it? Because they need those two guys to score. If they got, you know, if they got other players on the floor that aren't Steph or Clay, they need Wiggins and Poole to score. And that's, you're kind of seeing that. It's not been great, 
but you can kind of see it developing. And you can definitely see Kerr trying to get them out there to kind of work together. Yeah, the other part of the rotation you guys were talking about, just like, you know, how small he's going. I mean, he keeps making the point. To me, a general point also about why they don't seem in any urgency to shift the roster to like upgrade to, to some veteran, you know, big that can give him 12 minutes. The league is just like not threatening at the center position to them. They're not as scared as everyone else about it. Huh? No, I mean, they've only had Looney lately, but and you think, oh, this might be some type of concern. And then you go into games and, you know, you're playing Houston and you're playing, you know, the Nets with like Nick Claxton out there. And, you know, San Antonio had hurdle and like Kaminga was like bullying them enough he knocked them out of the game the Kings okay Rashawn Holmes you know last night in Oklahoma City like Derek Favors got some offensive rebounds Derek Favors wasn't changing the game and Kerr's point to it last night when asked about Kaminga playing the five you know and part of it is like they're going zone and they're doing stuff so Kaminga doesn't have the defensive responsibilities of a five but he's also within the quote was like we're not gonna have him guard Joel Embiid but there aren't many Joel Embiid's out there. There's Joel Embiid, there's Nikola Jokic. Whoever they Towns get can't really has Joel killed Embiid. them. And the other point would be like, look, Towns has killed them the last couple times they played the Wolves. Like he had five and ones in a game in Minnesota, and Minnesota did win that game. But in general, like they believe they're just going to beat Minnesota even if Towns has like 29 and 14, which, you know, he was good in Chase. They beat the Wolves. And, and that's just how they're operating. How have they beaten Denver in the past year and a half with Jokic playing great? It's with Draymond on them, right? It's not with their center on them. It's with Draymond on them. They believe in this. I, I, we keep going back to it. Is that 15-5 and five run at the end of last season, which is turning out to be pretty predictive for this season. It's about the same winning percentage. And they went small. JTA was their backup center basically last season, uh, at the end of last season. And they're just kind of mixing the matches, and they beat the other team by being faster than them, by being more multiple than them. And it isn't going to just grab a center and plopping him in there, even if it's Marcus Sewell. It's not that. That's not who they are. And they're not yet. It's every, oh, go, you got to set it, got to center. I've even said it months ago. Not going to happen. They, they, they got enough. Kaminga could be their third or fourth center. JTA is in there. They don't need to go just get a guy to get a guy. You know, they you know, if Gobert's not playing, I, I would guess. But even if it was against Gobert tomorrow, they wouldn't care. They, they, they beat those guys by going small, by being faster than them. Yeah, and Draymond is their ultimate answer when, you know, let's say they get in a Nuggets series, they're going to need Draymond. If they get in, you know, Phoenix, you know, he was, how good was he against Aiton in, in the couple wins this year? And, you know, his health, I think, under, like, rightfully should be the largest concern in making sure he can get through the playoffs physically. And, you know, maybe at the end of the season you go, uh, you know, the wear and tear on Draymond was a problem. Maybe would the answer have been to get an extra big? Maybe. But they didn't, and they seem committed to riding it out this way. We'll see. I well, mean, you could see in the next few days. Too, right, in their minds. Yeah, that's been the, the miscalculation of the season. But, uh, you know, obviously they weren't foreseeing all the different, like, you know, minor setbacks that keep pausing his rehab. But, yeah, that was supposed to be the bigger center. We know Steve Kerr is riding loony. Like, we know that's the starting center. And we know Draymond is closing games. So what's that, 10 minutes in the middle? It's to be elites of minutes right now. Yeah, that's but who are you giving up to fill somebody in those 10 minutes? That's the difficult part. It's like... You're talking about which of the yeah, 15 which of the 15 on the, on the roster are you saying, I, I will give up for those 10 minutes in the middle that might work or might not. And I, I think that's a tough choice. That, I don't know. They're not giving up Gary Payton, <laughs> who was the 15th guy. Well, yeah, now he is certainly not. To me, like the vul- the three vulnerables would be Bielitsa, Damian Lee, JTA. Just because, you know, they're minimums, they're kind of fringe rotation guys. They're not giving up Damian Lee. I agree with you. Bielitsa, maybe of those three, just especially, you know, he's been dealing with these back spasms recently. I guess you could maybe say he's the most vulnerable. And to me, that needs to be decided in the next few days. Because if they decide, hey, look, they want to go buyout hunting. And, you know, usually you get a hint behind the scenes like that you could get a guy on a buyout. You know, remember last year at the deadline, they got Wanamaker off at the deadline. They got Marquise Chris off. That was because if you trade them before the deadline, they're completely off the books for tax purposes. They paid San Antonio and Charlotte to take them. We will get a hint from them in the next couple of days if they think they have a buyout target in mind because they would want to get somebody off the roster. Who that somebody is, it would probably like, what do you guys think? I mean, Elisa I think Elisa is the most practical because you would essentially just be taking those minutes. Like, you, you're just blopping. Like, we don't think Bielitsa is that good. So we're getting some, like, why would you need another Bielitsa? 
but I don't think it's going to be Beelitz. I mean, you, yeah, probably not going to be anybody, anybody, right? I think <laughs> like Damian Lee is the one that you would say like that's a guy you you know you don't have to worry about like he's going to kill you on some other playoff team or whatever. But they like him so much, it's not going to be him. They keep playing him. I think they're they're set with their fifteen unless something happens where they don't think Draymond's coming back in time, and then who knows what they're going to do. And Wiseman would be a part of that too, but. I don't think it's going to be Bielitsa, even though we say it's practical, because you can't keep signing veterans, like veterans who've been in the league, and then cut them at the end of the year, like they've done a couple times now, or at least one time. And I just don't know that, like that. What, what's that a, guy's name again? Who is it? Who is it? <laughs> trying to think of that guy. He shot a lot of three. Well, wait a minute, he didn't wouldn't shoot three pointers at all. Um, like you just don't want to keep doing this because then some guys might not. Oh, well, you're just going to cut me then. You, you know, I'm chasing a ring, and not, you're not going to have me around anyway. So I just don't know that that's – I just think they like their 15. I just think they like the way that's fit, and it would be extra tax burden. It's going to be tough unless there's some issue with Draymond, and, and Myers made that clear last week. Well, and Andre Iguodala, I need to mention, I mean, like they they – so he comes back last night, obviously, after eight games away. He looks pretty good in the first half, disappears in the second half. They say lower back tightness. But the way they were talking about a postgame, you have Kerr like admitting, yeah, I'm definitely concerned about it. And then you had Steph who was talking about, you know, he was it was some answers about, you know, continuity moving forward. He's like, you know, we don't have Wiseman, we don't have Draymond, potentially we, we don't have Andre. And just the way he said it, I was like, geez, you're already looping Andre into like the potentially long-term injury category. It's just something to watch. We might get an update in a couple hours from now. What would happen if it's Andre they cut? For he's the a guy that they that they don't need to. I don't want to say don't need to replace because he's unique. But what are you going to do? Get another wing? You know, like they've got too many wings already. So he would just be someone they have to carry, like they like you carry injured, injured players. And again, and as Slater like brought up, and I put it in the column, like it was such a great point. Guys don't have to be active in the first round or second round to play him in the third round, to play him in the finals. Like you can have, you can hold Andre out for a, you know, he, he's a roster spot. He's going to keep, he's on the roster. You know that he's one to 15 guaranteed. Yeah. And you could play him like in game five of the second round. Remember when he got that spider fracture a couple of years ago, it was like West finals. Um, I think Harden might've been Needham. He got like a spider fracture in his knee. Remember he missed almost like he missed the rest of the West finals. He almost lost it. Ended up advancing. I think he didn't play till like game four, game five of the finals in Cleveland. And then he did make, you know, he had the strip on the sideline, I remember. But, you know, that was kind of an interesting aspect of it. As far as the deadline goes, if they're unwilling to move off any of their future assets, which, you know, I'm, I'm talking first round picks, I'm talking Moody, Kaminga, you know, Wiseman. And the belief is, the understanding behind the scenes is they ha- they seem very unwilling to move off any of that. Then you're only really talking about throwaway guys on rosters that you could get or buyout candidates. Do we think there's any type of vet minimum throwaway trade candidate or a buyout guy where you know you're not giving up value to get him that would be an upgrade over what Damian Lee gives them, what JTA gives them, or what Bielitsa gives them? If there's not, then I don't think they're going to move on. One guy that intrigues me is Marquise Chris, only because you've seen him and you know he knows the system. Dallas signed him. Dallas signed him to when they signed him. They had a shot at him all off season and didn't do anything all off season. I agree with you, Marcus. Like Marquise Chris would have helped this team, but it's too late. He like Dallas brought him in on one of those hardships, and they revived him, and he fit their system. And like, oh yeah, I mean that is a criticism that I think maybe they changed their tune on that. If Wiseman, if they know what what the type of problems Wiseman was going to have getting back this season, they didn't. Dallas scooped him up. So to me, you're only talking about like older type of guys. You know, Paul Millsap, who they kicked the tires on this summer. To me, like the way Paul Millsap looking in Brooklyn, like he's not an upgrade. Marcus Soul, your guy, Marcus Soul. I've mentioned it, but I'm not mentioning it because, like, I'm hearing that they're like, you know, in the. It's just a. He's just on one of the names now, right? Like every <laughs> every year, he's gonna be in the mix. Gonna be- Rodney Stuckey, <laughs> Jamal Crawford, Steve Blake, <laughs> Andrew Bogut, Andrew Bogut, yeah, put Bogut in the yeah, mix, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're probably not going to get a center, right? We, I mean, we'd be a little bit surprised if they did. But how risky is this? I mean. Kevon Looney is playing his his heart out, but we know he's got this history of injury, and obviously Draymond is. I mean, look, if Draymond's not playing, it's a wrap anyway, right? Yeah, it's all Draymond. It's yeah, all Draymond. So, is this too risky? In other words, is this something that? To me, here's what I'm thinking: like, yo, if they're already ahead of the curve, 
if you get these guys really good postseason experience, and I know it's a year of Steph, but if you can win the title like this, I don't know why you would give up any of these guys. To me, that's the part where it's like, if you could, you can win a title like this. You may not, but that's just basketball, right? This has always been the risk that they took. And, you know, they've decided that they're not going to trade these guys. If they decided to put Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody on the table, they would leap ahead in their percentage chance of winning the title. They could make this current roster better right now. It would risk their plan that they're not going to do. We all know they're not going to do it. So that's why a lot of times we don't even entertain the idea of like, oh, these different trade scenarios that they could get Miles Turner, they could get all these other guys because we know it's fantasy land. It's not happening. They're not, you know, mortgaging these guys. But to answer your question, is it too risky? If it comes down to it and they're too thin or they seem too young in the playoffs and, you know, we will come back to this and go, man, you know, it's possible they could have got a title at the end of the Steph Curry prime run, but they just, you know, prioritize the future. We'll see. It is a risk, but this is the path they're going down. And Wiseman, uh, like people, Warriors fans, only he's a big part of that because that's who they're betting on as that extra big. That's, that's who, literally that's who, who they're get. banking on right? all yeah. season long. That's been the guy, and it hasn't happened yet. It may not happen. It might. Draymond's off. Like that's like not even like if he can't make it back, then that's it. No yeah. piece they could get that would replace him. That that's not doable. But Wiseman's that, like, yeah, we could just click him in when we desperately need him. If Looney's in foul trouble, if Looney's hurt for a little bit, and they don't have him. And we'll, we'll have to see. Kaminga can be a sort of alt version of that in a small ball way. But he's not Wiseman size-wise, just presence-wise, just shot-blocking-wise. But I do think they, they're thinking Kaminga, could throw, they could throw in there. They can throw JTA in there. You know, they think they have it, unlike the way... Any normal NBA team would think, got to have that third center, got to have that second center. They just don't think that way. And the more Kaminga plays small ball, like center, like the more you go, okay, yeah, why would they need to take minutes away from Kaminga? Like, if you can get Kaminga to 22 minutes a game because you're playing him six minutes at center, that's good. Because look what he's doing in those 22 minutes. And it's good for the reason that you won't give up those guys in the first place, right? It's good because you're looking at this as a 10-year thing, and that's going to help Kaminga. Like, is Marquise Chris getting four minutes in game two of the Western Conference Finals better than Jonathan Kaminga getting to those two to four minutes in, as a small ball five? You know, maybe, you know, Kaminga might draw four fouls and get you in a bonus and screw you, but he also might get you four buckets in that period that you can't get otherwise. So that's the bet. We all understand it. I agree with it mostly because, you know me, I err on the side of a huge talent, but it could mess him up. No question. We could be replaying this era, you know, four years from now and say they that that plan didn't work. They they could have won a title and they didn't. We won't know for sure that they would have won a title, but they said maybe they should have gone. Well, they could have traded them all for Miles Turner, career. and he might not play again this year, right? I mean, you know, like that could happen too. So, or they win the title this year and they develop this talent and they have this Spurs type run, you know, this bridge the gap run that's Joe Lacob's, you know, fantasy dreams, uh, and we'll go wow. You know, what a job by them. I don't know which way it's going. We know their path forward. I don't know if it's going to work or not. And this is just the risk they're willing to take. Let me tell you, I, I do like this team building strategy better than, I don't know, what the Lakers have tried <laughs> this year. You know, Portland's in a complete teardown, at, you know, in a screwed up situation. Like, every team has their different, like, paths they're going down, all with different type of risks. The Warriors, I think if you look league-wide at their current roster situation and salary situation moving forward, and obviously – ownership situation with what Lacob's willing to spend. I would compare it to what Balmer, you know, what he just did with Norman Powell, the way he's trying to keep the Clippers competitive, just with his pocketbook, basically. I think most franchise in the league would be completely envious of the Warriors situation. I mean, they're top tier of situations moving forward, even if they're not as all in to win a title this year as they could be. You know, they could go more all in. They can win a title with this team. And that's what's moved them. They they look like they, they can win a championship with this construction. And if they win a championship with this construction and build the future. While protecting the future. While protecting. It's hard to not see that as the best of both worlds. With three championships already in the Already pocket. in the books. I mean, yeah. You've got to remember that part. They do have the three. Uh, obviously, you always want more. You want to maximize. I've always thought four championships in Steph era would be the max. That, that would be the goal, in, you know. Somebody, Steve Kerr, I'll just say, Steve Kerr once mentioned that to me. I think it's when they had two. Like, the goal would be four. That would be a nice goal. Uh, they're at three. 
and they might get to four this year, and there might be more. They might not get to four this year, but you understand the logic of it, and you understand it might fail. Like both things, you can do both things. You can understand like this isn't a logical way to approach this. They could win a championship while doing this, and it might fail, and it might be looked back on with as a disaster. I don't think it's going to be either one. I think it's going to be in the middle. We'll see. But as long as Steph and Draymond are, are okay with it, like, and I think they are, and they see what these talents are, then I think you, you, ride, you ride with it. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If they get to the Western Conference Finals and lose to Phoenix because DeAndre Ayton killed them, that's going to happen no matter who they pick up right now, right? Like, that could literally happen. They could make the trade for the big you want. Like, DeAndre Ayton is really good. That's what could happen. Look, there's a theoretical world where, let's say, they put Wiseman on the table and, you know, salary filler and got Miles Turner. And maybe maybe Miles Turner would have been the difference in a West Finals. Maybe like, you know, twenty five Miles Turner minutes a game. By the way, Miles Turner was like a broken foot right now who we don't even know is going to be available. So there's certainly risk going down that road. So who knows? But I over the course of the season I think logically have become more optimistic that their path might work. I was more pessimistic early in the season. And I would say the same for Draymond and Steph Curry. I mean, Marcus, Tim, we know, like, Draymond was pretty pessimistic on this. The two timeline? Two timeline, yeah. It's like, no one's ever really done it yeah. before. No one's ever really done it before. Meanwhile, the other day, I, I you know, it's kind of why I threw out the trade deadline question to him when he was doing his, you know, 35-minute, you know, opus the other day. I was like, you know, I'm curious if he wants to hint at maybe going after trying to get a veteran. And he was like, no, I think we're good. I mean, essentially is what he said. And like, that's notable. Especially those two, right, who are all about championships. They don't care about nothing but a championship. Steph and Draymond, and, and you can throw Clay in there, too. I mean, Clay probably cares less about <laughs> a rookie than any of them. More recently, though, like, he's into it now. Like, yeah, he's yeah, into no legacy. Question. He's into legacy. They're now. just, man, they're all about championships. So if they're like, I feel good with this group. Like, I feel good with this, then. Let's circle back to the way we started. It, it, hey, what did Myers say on draft night? It's all about Clay. Like, you can't really tell until you know where Clay is. And I wasn't sure about Clay after like the first few weeks. I mean, I really wasn't sure he was going to make it back all the way this season, which is a lot. It's two years off his legs. You have no idea. Man, the last few games, he's pretty close. Hey, he's some of them close. shots look like old Clay, right? Like, that dagger three where Steph gets it, hits it to him, and he doesn't. Steph is literally passing and going to get the ball back, but before he even takes a step, that shot is up. It wasn't looking like that early on, and it makes sense. Why? How could it look the same in game situation after two years off? But like that flow is, he's back into it. Even if he misses some, that's part of the deal. It's the willingness, the comfortableness, the, the, the you know, just being in the rhythm to take those shots. And that's how you make them at the end. That's how you make them when they're the, in the biggest moments. If Clay is like this, and then defensively, I don't think it's going to, and, and no one's saying it's going to be what he was. And, and it may never happen again. It was so unique that he could, he could be this incredible shooter and guard the best perimeter player. That might not happen again. He was guarding Giddy last night. Like, that's, that's who he's going to guard. But, man, like, if you have Clay Thompson back in any close version, 
that's what I think. May, maybe that alters a little bit of way Draymond and Steph are thinking. Like some of it was calculated. Like maybe we don't quite have Clay. Like they got Clay back. Like to end games, they got Clay back. That kind of team can win a championship. You know, if Draymond is healthy, it just can't. And that's another way you can play the two timeline thing. It, 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 I mean, that's just part of the part of the gambit they're playing is that Clay was going to be enough. Like you remember, it was trade for Bradley Beal, trade for whoever. Like if you trade for Bradley Beal, what would you do with Clay right now? Like really, what would you do with Clay? This is the group they got, and it's close enough to a championship to try to do this. So uh, one of the things that's really jumped out lately uh, is the transition Steph has made after his slump. Uh, he's becoming so much more of a th- – this reminds me of the Steph. Remember early, TK, where Monte, they were saying he could be a point guard. He yeah. couldn't be a point guard, <laughs> so he's out here trying to be John Stockton on purpose yes. Yes. to prove it. This is a real noticeable shift. Like, even the amount, like, you look up in the game and it's the third quarter and he's taking like eight shots. And it's like, this is, it's weird. But he's literally kind of changed how he's played and become that piece that Draymond hasn't. What do you think he's getting from it? How do you think this is helping? He's taking fewer shots and he's, his percentage is going up, but he seems to be far more patient about where his shots are coming from now. Than he normally is. Did you see that? It's a play I put in, like the the thing I wrote up last night. But it was like I don't know if you saw it, Marcus, but Steph. It was like late second quarter, and you know you know where we sit in Oklahoma City. We're like literally second row, it's best seat in the league. Steph kind of like runs over the bench while the Thunder shooting a free throw, and he was like, "Hey, Steve, watch this play." He was talking to the coach and stuff. He's like, "Watch this." And I was like, oh, it's kind of. So now I'm like, oh, I'm definitely watching Steph on this play. I was like, oh, he's calling his own number or something. Like, what's going on here? And then he goes against the ball, and, you know, it it wasn't any spectacular play, but it was Steph, top of the key, like, gets kind of a rub screen from Otto Porter, who picks and pops. And then he gives a DHO to Poole as he's going to the corner. And it's a pool high screen with Looney with Steph in the corner, Wiggins in the left corner, which Wiggins loves, and Porter on the wing. So it's very spread court for a pool pick and roll kind of in motion, and it gets pulled like an easy floater against no contest because the defense was spread out. And then Steph is skipping down the court, and he's looking over at Steve, who's like fist-pumping him. And he later says it's because Steve had mentioned the play and shoot around, and he decided he was going to call it, and he was going to get everyone in the right place. And it was for a Jordan Poole pick-and-roll. And, I mean, it just goes to what you're saying. Like, talk about point guard Steph. Like, he was organizing that whole thing. And I just, it speaks to his current mindset, right? I mean, he, he was like, that was as excited as he was all night. And it was for him calling a Jordan Poole spread pick and roll. Some of it is, I he felt like he was forcing it for like a month there. Like, he really for thought he was, <laughs> yeah, like he was going to shoot himself <laughs> out of the slump. He was going to prove, and that didn't work. Like, that made it worse. Uh, in, in some ways so I think he's pulled back but also clay being better helps that like it really like he can relax like I've there's some possessions now where I see Steph just goes to the corner and like lets clay work the action on the other side of the floor now he can always get back to Steph but he's not like running a hundred percent like like he doesn't need to always do that if he's creating for clay and he knows Wiggins can you know can finish and he's got some other things and Kaminga is out there sometimes with him, and and he doesn't need he can be the highly efficient stuff. Now sometimes he needs to be volume stuff, right? We, that, there's no question there's going to be sometimes, mostly in the biggest games. But I think at some point he realized like I I just don't need to take everything I pop. Like I think some of it was like he's getting blitz so much. If he even sees a sliver of daylight, he's got to fire. And it wasn't. And he working. don't know when it, that daylight's coming yeah, either. Yeah, so exactly. It's like, oh, it's here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and then it's not not a great shot. This is much more fluid, and it, I, I think, I think it's because Clay's out there, and he just feels that presence of Clay. Even if Clay's not hot, he can still feel it. He might get hot, and then when, when Clay is hot, Steph can just say, like someone else can, can you know, I, think I can Wiggins just create too, for everybody. I think Wiggins, Clay Wiggins and shooting Wiggins. forty-one. Yeah. Wiggins shooting forty-one percent, and being so comfortable in that offense is obviously a big part of it too. No doubt, no doubt. Having Clay and Wiggins, that's a. That's those are some options out there. Like you could see him just driving with no intent to shoot, which is just not the stuff we've seen. He's he's weaving in and out. I think it's hilarious though. His fan base. I was reading uh, what'd you call it? Like Steph's coaching moment in the article. I was like, how many people are gonna be pissed that this is when Steph calls the? <laughs> you know, Steph doesn't call down. ISOs, take right? Him. Yeah, take him, take him. <laughs> 
I was like, there would be a lot of stuff fans not happy about this. And he's fist pumping over to Steve Kerr like, do you see that movement? Did you see the way I use myself as a decoy? Are the defenses going to react to this and stop playing him the same way? I don't think so. I think defenses are always going to play him that way. And so you have to adapt. You have if some if the if defenses are going to make it so you cannot be efficient, you do it in a way that and what what was remember the Toronto was like he had no one to pass it to. There was nobody like we had clay and that's and it. when he had clay they were in trouble right like yeah. Toronto yeah. was in trouble yeah exactly it's... and you take clay off the like like this is giving him more pieces to to work with Jordan Poole's another one where you can just feel like okay I don't have to take a shot even if it's sort of kind of like it's if it's there I take it if it's not I can get it to someone else you can dump it to Looney <laughs> six times a game too and that's sometimes I'll work <laughs> You you go you go when 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 Looney wins the most approved player award, TK <laughs> needs to hand it to him. Like <laughs> you hear what Looney's seasonal goal is. Games. Right? I respect the play hell up, of that. Play. You know who respects? He's doing more. He's doing. He's he's playing more than yeah. I'm podcasting. <laughs> he's, he's all. Like, he's all like all, you're like all fifty six. <laughs> you know who really respects that? Really, really, Steve Kerr. Because you go look up how many times he played all, every game, like a lot. Like Kerr was one of those guys who wanted to play every single game. Michael was not like Jordan didn't always do it, but he always believed in trying to play eighty two. Like that's old school. I mean, he's just turned twenty six, by the way. He's hilarious. Kevon Looney, old school Kevon Looney, old man Kevon Looney. But give him credit. I mean, I don't think he's going to play eighty two. I don't think he'd be the healthiest thing in the world. But give him credit for that. Do you think Steph playing this way stays, or is this you know until he feels like he's out of the? Out of the shooting slump, his his three point numbers have been much better over the last few games. But uh, how, how long does this last? I'm wondering. Is this a get you through the All Star break, and then afterward he he turns up? I think there will be more games where he shoots more. Uh, but I think right now it's kind of like this is the good thing now. And then when he starts feeling good, he's going to put up ten threes a game. You know, for for a stretch, he just will, or twelve, or fifteen. This is kind of Clay's going well. Things are going well. Let's do he it. He got this up way. ten last night, that's but also funny. Draymond's not in here, right? I and mean, that's a big part of it. Yeah, that is. Like he's you know, Draymond playing the role that he needs to yes. play right now. Like yeah. he can't. He doesn't have that guy swinging it to him coming off the curl as much. He's got to be that guy doing it for other people. Once Draymond is back, assuming Draymond is back, I think the numbers go back up. I think the efficiency when it's both him and Clay on the side for Draymond swinging it, the efficiency goes up. But right now he's kind of doing you know two jobs and it's working. I they won nine in a row. I think I think it's going to work for a while. The Kings have traded Tyrese Halliburton. Wow! What? No way! For what? To the Pacers for Domantas Sabonis. Another center? What are they? What are they? Well, I don't, I I actually like Sabonis as a fit there, but I would like I thought they were going to get off Fox. Yeah, that's what they I probably could. They, they, they got could. they got off the better contract. Wow. Well, I mean, that's probably the only way the Pacers took Sabonis. So they got to be moving off of Barnes then. I mean, you would have to believe. Yeah, I mean, Barnes should be sold for first-round picks. But, uh, yeah, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald went to the Pacers too. So, Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday for Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Yeah, I'm surprised they came off of Halliburton. I'm They're committing they to Fox. That's wild. What a wild choice by the Kings. I mean, it's probably the only way they got Sabonis. It's not like he's carrying the Pacers to the East Finals, right? Like Where that surprises me is that was Monty McNair's big win so far in his like brief GM tenure. It was like getting Halliburton and what they got him, 10-11. But again, I don't know. Pe- people can go for their uh, Pacers-Kings <laughs> trade commentary. But it, it's just, it was a, it was, it's a interesting That's a surprising, Jeez, that is that. a surprising one. Wow, wow. That and, was uh, well, wait, We don't have to keep talking about this, but that is that is wild. I got to throw in Jonathan Kaminga. Just, I've mentioned him a few times. We always got to do something with Kaminga. Does this guy have a role now on their playoff rotation? Can you guys say that? I would say I can't say that because every time I think he's like gaining headway, Steve Kerr suddenly like plays him eight minutes or zero <laughs> minutes or, you know, he's mad about the way he ran in transition or, you know, his three shot attempts that, that were rushed when he was out there with Steph and Clay. Like there's still stuff he does that the coaching staff like is pulling their hair out about. And so I, I, I can't say for sure that he's, you know, 20 minutes a night, every playoff game into the finals, but he certainly provides something that even they can't ignore. You know how Jordan Poole, like it, it took her a while to eventually 
allow Jordan Poole to be an every night rotation guy, but the talent, you know, eventually showed itself to where he couldn't ignore it. I mean, like that is what Kaminga is slowly doing. And I just think the way Kaminga is going about it has been very good. You know, he, he at least publicly hasn't been like whining about his role at all. And of late, whatever type of, you know, start spot starter, barely playing last night, come in and be like, you know, the small ball five, essentially, he's figured out a way to do his job. And he, to me, he seems to be developing an identity of who he is as a rookie, which is like pressure on the rim, a bunch less jump shooting. They loved the charge last night. That's as happy as I saw Mike Brown all last night when he came over and took the charge. So, yeah. I don't like the charge thing. It's just too passive, too passive on defense. I, I don't want Jonathan Kaminga taking charges. I want him protecting the rim. Like I get it. It's rotational. You got to be in the right spot. It means he read the play. I got that. But that dude is not taking charges. He's not Bielitsa. He's he's going up to block that shot at the rim, and that's to me that's what I want to see. Uh, There's I a reason why Steph leads them in blo- in, in, in <laughs> yes, charges right. taken, by the way, because he's, he's, he's not up at the rim. He's not at the rim. Get up there and contest it. There's a reason why Ursan Ilyasova was like the league leader in charges <laughs> I don't taken want the for best athlete years. on the floor propping up in the middle. Like, nah, get that. Go block that shot, but. What you said is correct. He read yeah, the play the reading the off play. the ball. It's being in yeah. position. Like, it's that stuff that matters. Uh, but TK, I, I think he has. I don't know if the Warriors know it yet, but it's akin to what you've been saying, right, uh, all along. Who's going to get head down going to the bucket? I do think it'll be harder for him to do that in the playoffs. Like, we're seeing him take advantage of some bad defense. Like, he's getting good driving lanes, but the, especially the way he's been playing now where if you're a, 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 a the opponent and you're not scouting Jonathan Kaminga, you're going to get embarrassed, right? So by the time he gets to the playoffs, I do think it'll be a bit harder, but he's such so athletically gifted, I'm not sure it'll matter. But even if he's not, even if Steve Kerr is not thinking he's in a rotation, there's going to be a point where he needs somebody to catch the ball at the elbow and just get to the rim without much fanfare, right? Like yeah, with the defense spread out, to yes, Steph and Clay, and that right? is mean, Jonathan Kaminga. I wouldn't be surprised if Steph Curry is saying, <laughs> "Hey, bring that! Hey, who? Hey, that you know the young dude who can jump out the gym? Bring him to me, right? Because those are assists when it's Kaminga." Like he's yes. rolling. <laughs> you sound like me. You sound I'm like saying, you say Looney's been you great, say, but come on. Like how many? I was I was talking. I forgot who I was asking about this. I was trying to think how many how many assists have Steph left on the table in his career. I mean, Two Chris Hunter, like <laughs> Mikey Moore, like Zaza Pachulia, Kevali. <laughs> like it's a lot of assists left on the table with Miss Leas, but I could see him saying. That's my if that's my role guy, and this is what's supposed to be Wiseman's role, right? We saw that whenever it was a pick and roll, Wiseman, that's a dunk. Wiseman had a bunch of huge yep. games oh, in yeah, small could, minutes. It could, it could be Wiseman. I mean, it could and they be love JaVale for that. Look at JaVale now doing that. Like, if Steve doesn't know it yet, that's what you need in the playoffs. None of this fanfare. It's just quick hit, boom, let's bucket. <laughs> Did you see Steph's face on the dunk on in open court? The whole dunk? Oh no. my, yeah, oh my. I mean, yeah, and that tells you something. Like, like this is a unique talent in a league of unique talents. This guy is just how many people literally. when Steph does the throw ahead to on this team, it's finishing in the dunk. GP two, GP two, <laughs> and Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga, yeah. and maybe Wiggins, but not every time with Wiggins. Like not every time with Wiggins is going to finish in a Euro. Layup, lefty yeah, layup, with, with probably with the foul if it goes well, right? Yeah, that's my point on Kaminga is that he works well with Stephen Clay, and he's beginning to play with Stephen. Like Kerr is recognizing this when the defense is spread, and like like OKC is not a good team, but they're interesting because they you know they do that switch in defense like the Warriors, so you can't just and they do play hard, stuff. yeah, yeah, and they're long. You need someone who can just beat this guy. Like someone just got to be able to beat this guy or slip something and be athletically challenging. And the Warriors haven't had a lot of this over. Like they had Durant. Other than that, like this is the guy. And he might make mistakes, and you might, you know, not love some of the stuff he does. And maybe he was late to, uh, as Draymond revealed, he was late to a couple. I guess it would be practices. Obviously, young kid, lots to learn. 
the stuff he does is just really important. Really important stuff. Downhill basketball when the floor is open because they got the spacing. And when Steph and Clay are going, they got the spacing. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying he plays 20 minutes every playoff game. I'm saying though he has a role, whether it's four minutes a game against some matchups or 16. When the defenses are plastered out, you know, they're top blocking, and you got a wide open lane, and you got other guys who cannot bend. And Draymond may be bouncier. Draymond has at times done it. That's one guy. Kaminga's the other one. And in tough playoff situations, I think this guy's, yeah, he's ready for the moment. I think it's the ones against good defense. To me, that's what you need. It's not like you can dupe Oklahoma City to missing a back door or something. The Thunders entered the night as the ninth ranked. Yeah, defense. no, no, they're really good. good they were not they bad. Play yeah, they play hard. Not, yeah. yeah, they're long. They're long. Too. Yeah, and they pressure like you know. Dagnall's doing a good job. I'm getting on my Thunder tangent. I talked to a lot of Thunder people this week. I actually like what they're doing. Thunder plus minus. The Warriors started the game super cold offensively. They were like at 18 points late in the first quarter. But Kaminga changed the game last night. He he was their leading scorer within being on the floor for like three minutes. And I think he had like 11 in his first nine minutes. Like his pressure at the rim loosened the Thunder up because, you know, with the loony stuff, you mentioned the top lock and stuff, like those type of super aggressive Memphis Grizzlies style defenses, I should say, that gives the Warriors problems. And Kaminga does solve some of those problems. He's the player on the team whose first step, Jordan Poole too, he just doesn't have the explosion, whose first step is winning. Like, they're going to do the first step, and they're going to win. And to me, that's playoff basketball. It's like you're not going to dupe people into getting, like, wide open layups. It's not happening. You need somebody where there's a good defender in front of you who can beat you. And Kamika's first step, even if you're with them, he's going to power it through you because he's so (laughs) sure. Like, he's going to get there. If you can overcome the mistakes, I just think you'll need that. Just like you don't see Gary Payton that much, but we all know, like in the playoffs, you're going to need that dude to smother somebody. To me, Kaminga is a player. Let me pause by saying this because last time we heard a 16 game, he's a 16 game player. It didn't go well. <laughs> Kaminga is a, it's a 16 game, it's a 16 game player, right? Like to me, you know, especially if you're so locked in, same team, scouting report, like, what he has is built for the playoffs to me. Not more, much more, much more for the playoffs than a regular season to me because what he does. He's just really going to test this season. I agree with you long term. This season, he's really going to test Steve Kerr's patience and adaptability as a coach. And there will be times when he doesn't play him a ton and he will play Damian Lee or he play JTA. And it's understandable. Those guys do good stuff. JTA didn't play last night. Uh, you know, again, you know, we know Steve. He goes back and forth those rotations, but there's I'm a sorry reason. He did. Like, he came in for a critical stop. Oh, I'm sorry. He played for yeah, 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 14 seconds or whatever. And and like, there's going to be stuff like that happening. Otto Porter did not play in the fourth quarter. Like Kaminga will have those himself, but man, like again, he's not Kawhi Leonard. He is not. Kawhi, he's not going to be. He probably will not ever be as good as Kawhi Leonard. But I have heard that comparison. Just that. The defense, for one, gets him on the court, and the downhill, like Kawhi Leonard was the MVP against the Warriors in the finals because he just got to spots. Like, you're getting out of my way. We all know, Draymond has said it, he's the, Kawhi is by far the strongest player in the league because you bounce off of him. You can't just stay with him because he's so strong. That's really, really important in the playoffs. That is Giannis. Like, those are the players that get you those extra KD, we know, and... Kaminga isn't as good as those guys, may never, ever be as good as those guys. He's he's a version of this, and it's going to be valuable, and it's showing its value right now. And I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep going with it. Uh, I, I, this is a unique talent, especially fitting with Stephen Clay. And I do think he's not going to be a second-unit guy so much. He's some of it, but he's going to largely play with Stephen Clay because he fits that very well. Yeah, he needs to play with point Steph. That's what he needs. He needs to play with the the mice. Pick and roll. Pick and roll. I mean, that is a nice pick and roll when you think about it. That is a nice pick and roll. The last thing I want to say on this podcast is uh, in regards to Wiseman, I think this next week is important. He does seem to be inching closer towards the potential, where he's been in the past, where he's been probably five, six times in the past, which is like the individual workouts have increased. You saw him on the road. Uh, last night he was doing some pregame like you know pretty near full speed like individual like pick and roll type stuff with Milojevic um, and I just think if contact's gonna come probably the clearance would be in the next seven to ten days or at least sometime you know 
before the all-star break so we'll see if it if he actually gets the clearance if he can clear this huge hurdle that he has in, in the last can i get some months, scrimmages so. going during the all-star break slater get some of those guys back out there bounce around a little maybe bit. you know if it's three on three whatever you know or you know santa cruz to me like santa cruz is 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 a valuable tool for wiseman just keep your ears out for a potential like you know james has been cleared for a three-on-three contact today or something like that is the big hurdle and he hasn't got there yet but he's at least as close as he's been to that as i've seen him being on the trip's interesting i mean two-game trip whatever but like they want him around they want yeah, his that, head into them being on the trip that was uh okay and you know what their willingness to be to kind of put that out there to me. Was out something. in front of me? Yeah. yeah, I know. I saw. I was out there pregame. Gonna, I was like, Slater's going to get this video out. Slater's uh, going to get yeah, this they, video they, out. They, they, they wanted tell, that you, Slater Wiseman video a, now, baby. You could tell Wiseman did a couple laughs and looked over, and I was like, <laughs> I gotta tape this, man. I mean, you, you, they know. wanted you just to. like that's what said. Oh, like, just like on. when Steph when Steph ran over to Steve and said, "Watch this." He was going and watch this too, Slater. Watch this, Slater. They're they're just communicating. Let's get Wiseman out there doing the warm ups. Let's get Slater's going to post it and yeah, you know, <laughs> put some pressure on him. Like I, I see it. I see it. That's funny. <laughs> I like those videos. I like those. I like those videos. I like them. I want to see them. Next time we got to talk about uh, when TK will be going to Cleveland for the All Star break with Steve Kerr. <laughs> I can I, I wonder who hates the All Star break more, TK or Steve Kerr. <laughs> Kerr was excited last night. He's not he was going to so Cleveland. Happy Monty up. Williams. Monty Williams is going to Cleveland. They they might talk about like uh, tanking some games if they were in jeopardy of that. I think Steve would say, hmm, Steve, yes, yeah, Steve would start resting dudes. Right. <laughs> I haven't been to an All Star game since the one. Here, I think that Chris Dowling got booed at. Yeah, I hate them so much. I hate them so much. But whole other story. Whole other story. Until next time, uh, we don't know what the Warriors' record will be, but it will be pretty good. We can safely say. All right, we're out of here. The Kings have traded Tyrese Halliburton. Wow! What? No way! For what? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.